I am pleased and proud to be with you today, not only to celebrate the patriation of the Constitution, but to rejoice in Canada, its past, its present, and its future. Perhaps no more momentous moment in the Queen's visit than that one in 1982 in Ottawa, signing the proclamation that repatriated the Constitution, ending the role of the British, British Parliament in Canada's affairs. Uh, it also, of course, that same act includes the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, she witnessed many changes over her 70 years, and certainly Canada changed dramatically over that time as well. Uh, but we are a constitutional monarchy. So what exactly happens if we know as, as a people that this may be a time to reflect on the nature of the monarchy, on what it means to us. Uh, but in terms of how the monarchy itself impacts us, the day-to-day -day functioning might not change so much. Someone who knows a lot about this and who's just written a really fascinating article about it is Nathan Tilridge. He's a teacher, a historian, author, and vice president of the Institute for the Study of the Crown in Canada. Thank you for your time tonight. Uh, thanks for having me. Just your first reaction to when you when you saw heard the news today, I, I think it, it impacted a lot of us. I think a lot of us um, felt it came really suddenly. Yeah, it was it, it was an event that we all knew that was coming, and then when it finally did, it just it it seemed to just happen really quite suddenly. That's that's the best way I can kind of describe it. So um, yeah, it's it, definitely a, a historic moment uh, and a historic day with a lot of reflection. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I read through a really interesting piece that you put up just about what changes. I mean, we're a constitutional yeah. monarchy. What happens? What's the impact? And I gather, at least from the top down, it's not much, right? That's right. Actually, uh, it, it was really interesting that you're, you're citing the 1982 Constitution because that's, like you said, that was a big moment for our country. And uh, due to the provinces, it was the provinces advocating it, they actually enshrined the crown or entrenched it in our Constitution. So Canada is one of the only countries in the world, if I think actually we're the only country in the world that has the crown entrenched in its constitution. So it would require all of the legislatures uh, to agree to, uh, to to get rid of it, uh, something right. that's never really happened in Canadian history. And it also, at the same time, it reaffirmed treaty rights, which uh, is another important uh, aspect of the crown in this country. So... Um, it's really kind of the, the the very structure of our democracy, and that was really cemented in 1982 with the uh, with the Constitution Act. And yet, in this case, it remains. I mean, you're right that the the idea of the crown remains very much entrenched in who yeah. we are. But but the the monarch's role is quite limited. And when a monarch yeah. passes and a new one comes in, it doesn't really. It, what impact will it have on us? Yeah, very little. So uh, we've already transitioned to a new reign. That was that was instantaneous. And so uh, really on the surface, what happens is, is any references to the queen now become references uh, to the king. And there's been a, a few kind of announcements across the country uh, about that. Th there will be important ceremonies, uh, you know, obsession ceremonies and things like that. But they're really just confirming what's already happened. So uh, as a matter of kind of the machinery of government, it continues on. It, it kind of chugs on uh, with, with no changes really whatsoever to the day-to-day to -day running of the country. In terms of, uh, of just the Queen's reign, her 70 years, because she lived through a lot of 
momentous times in our country, the flag, yeah. you know, the referendum, um, the advancement of reconciliation. There was a lot of different yeah. things happening in our country over the time that she was in power as our monarch, um, as yeah. our head of state. How do you think she did? I mean, it, it's really quite remarkable when you take in, yeah, that swath of history uh, and, and quite a chaotic federation that's still not done kind of forming into what it needs to be. And so uh, she has kind of been there all along, kind of in, in, in the backdrop, but at the same time, um, being there when that institution and when the person of the monarch was needed. And so the example I would give would be in 1990 during the, um, the separation crisis uh, with Quebec. And the queen arrived and said, I'm not just a fair weather friend. I, like I am here for these difficult times as well. And I think that that, that kind of came to the fore too, when the Prince of Wales was here in, in um, meeting with indigenous folks and, and, um, and, and hearing their stories and their teachings, um, I unfortunately wasn't here very long. That that wasn't his fault. That's that's the government of Canada. But that's that's how the crown kind of operates. And so I think when it's allowed to function in the way that it's it's meant to, uh, quite successful. And the fact that here we are, seventy years later, and the crown is still very much kind of a part of our democracy, that shows the the real success of of her reign. Yeah, I, I was always um, curious during those times of political instability in this country because I also covered the Scottish referendum um, mm -hmm. there. And there was obviously, uh, you know, everyone was watching to see what the Queen would say, if she would say anything particularly political. And she didn't really. Actually, we have that. Uh, we have a clip from 1990 of the Queen speaking about uh, one week after the failure of the Meech Lake Accord. Knowing okay. Canadians as well as I do, I cannot believe that they will not be able after a period of calm reflection, to find a way through the present difficulties. Very much the Queen speaking, wasn't it? It was very much, yes. What's and um, it's interesting, uh, yeah. and yeah, that's she's saying what everybody knows. Uh, she's not saying anything particularly controversial, but she's also saying what kind of what needs to be said. It's an appeal to unity. Um, and, and that's really what the institution is meant to be, or at least here in this federation. Um, it, it's this kind of uh, constant part of the democracy that uh, provides that stability. Uh, and then when you take into account uh, treaty relationships, you, you know, th that role in itself, too, is, is quite critical to the survival of Canada as a nation. Yeah, tell me about the treaty, because that's something that we haven't talked about a lot today. Uh, but mm -hmm. I know Canada's Indigenous peoples have a, have, a, have, a, have a slightly different kind of relationship with the Crown than perhaps people know. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it depends on the nations that we're talking about. So in mm -hmm. British Columbia, very different relationships than the relationships Indeed. here in, uh, in Ontario. But uh, uh, treaties are made with the Crown. And uh, with that, there's a personal relationship that's entered into with the, with the person of the monarch. And so that whoever the monarch is, that becomes quite important. And then there's this idea of the honor of the crown that is supposed to inform treaties, which historically we have not we have not seen. But there is certainly a revival that is going on right now right across the country. Um, and Perry Bellegarde, who is the former uh, national chief of the Assembly of First Nations, he he, he put it quite eloquently that there that the crown's role now is as as witnesses 
and and caretakers of treaty, uh, while the governments are meant to action what it is the treaties are supposed to do. So they're there to to watch and to witness and to um, ensure that the honor of the crown is maintained. Um, and so that's that's quite a complex relationship, and it's one that I, I feel that Canada right now is rediscovering. And I think it's something that uh, that King Charles may be more familiar with than his mum would have been, perhaps, just because of the amount of time that he spent um, looking at these issues. Yeah, I, I, I would completely agree with you. And uh, it, there's numerous foundations, and, and in particular the work of the Prince's Trust here in Canada, that has really put him... Um, in, in a lot of close contact with uh, Indigenous leaders right across the country. And, and Charles himself has commented on that. Uh, so I hope that he's, um, he, he's allowed to be in the country more uh, uh, by the government. He requires an invitation by the government of Canada. Uh, he required it when he was Prince of Wales, but now as sovereign, it's, it's the same thing. And, uh, and I hope those invitations are extended so that those relationships can be uh, further developed and strengthened. He is, was at her side, along with Queen Consort Camilla, which is distinct from the Queen Regnant, as the Queen was, and he is the King. He'll be flying down to, to London tomorrow. He'll be uh, meeting up with the Privy Councillors to be sworn in um, as King, but he's automatically King. That is Royal Commentator Robert Jobson in London today talking about uh, the transition from Queen Elizabeth II to King Charles III. I'm speaking with Nathan Tilridge. He is a teacher, historian, author, and vice president of the Institute for the Study of the Crown in Canada. We've been talking about uh, just the impact on Canada as a constitutional monarchy. The role of the crown in our constitution has a different role than uh, any other place uh, we were talking mm -hmm. about. And also just the way that, uh, that King Charles may approach this relationship that Canada has, this unique relationship Canada has with, with the Crown. I guess to get to the questions that I've been asked a lot about today, because you touched on in this in this article you wrote today, is just some of the direct changes we're going to see when it comes to, you know, just the name, changing names, currencies, stamps, all the things people, I mean, the Queen has been such a part of our lives for so long, I think most of us can't even imagine what, what, uh, what a, you know, a currency would look like without the Queen on it or any of those things. Yeah, I think uh, it was like when you when we started reading the messages, and the messages said uh, from the king, or, or, or referencing Charles as the king. It's something that kind of uh, just kind of uh, st stands out to you. And I think the same thing will happen too when you you know see the image on the on the money or the stamp. It just it signals that the you know a change has happened, and um, it, it it it's it's a um, it's a cause for reflection, which is, I think, a very healthy thing and what we'll be going through over the next few weeks. But when you look at sort of the, the impact it'll have directly, like this isn't going to happen overnight. There's no sort of dramatic changes that are made. Everything sort of goes along quite slowly, I understand. Yeah, that's right. And all, all the uh, kind of the, the big changes have already happened. They were put in place uh, years and years ago, so uh, people would have been prepared for this. Uh, so that they could be made uh, uh, quite quickly. Um, th there's no need to swear in the government or there's no changes to the lieutenant governors or the governor general. They just continue on now. Um, they're just now representing the king versus the queen. Um, no laws need to be changed. No proclamations need to be read as well. That, that's something that I've heard is that, you know, Canada needs to, you know, make a proclamation or something like that. And, and, and that is not the case. Um, it, it, it was an automatic switch. 
Of course, I suppose in the court system, we're going to be seeing a lot of quick changes because, you know, we've referred to the, you know, the, the her, we've referred to Her Majesty or the Queen a lot in legislation right. and so on and within the court system. Yes, and I, I saw that on uh, social media a lot uh, that the, uh, the the court of the, the Queen's bench was switched over to the King's bench, but there are some problems with some of the websites still showing one or the other. Um, yeah, there's those little kind of um, those little changes will be will be happening over the next coming days as uh, as people update websites and stationery and things like that for sure. But just like maybe if you could think back long enough, well, I'm old enough to remember when you got a penny with 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 a king on the back, right? That's it was right. an yeah. old old one. So so nothing changes. Everything you hold is valid. Everything there's nothing. There's no change there. I mean, it sounds like a that's like a, right. Like we a don't have to question. exchange your money or anything. Yeah, no, it, it, the money is still legal tender. The stamps will still will still send the mail. All that still holds true. The the passports will still get you to and uh, to and from uh, Canada to wherever uh, that doesn't change it just means that everything from this moment on will will reflect the change in rain and I guess one of the things that was interesting is just what does Canada do? Because I think there's been a lot of talk about what's going to happen in Britain. We know about the different plans that are in place for the next 10 days or plans that have been in place for a very long time. In Canada, what are the plans? I know there are books of condolences uh, in many parts of the country right now, including at Rideau Hall. I know that flags are flying. Flags have been lowered already. But what, what does yep. Canada do over the coming days to, to recognize the passing uh, of the Queen and and the ascension or at least the ascend, ascending to the throne of the king? Uh, well, due to the nature of our federation, it'll, it'll depend on each jurisdiction. So the federal government will, will likely be in mourning for 10 days. So flags will be lowered and messages of condolence will be sent by the prime minister and, and various dignitaries to uh, the royal family. There will uh, very likely the prime minister and the governor general will attend the, uh, the funeral. Uh, in the United Kingdom in, in, I believe, 10 days' time. So you'll see things like that. Yes, you'll see books of condolence. You'll see a lot of um, um, uh, reflective pieces, uh, like in the news and on television and things like that. As far as formal um, formal events, that will depend on jurisdiction to jurisdiction. But I, I would expect, you know... Uh, for religious folks, there will be different um, services, uh, uh, celebrations of life or services in memory. Uh, there may also be what's called accession councils called in the different provinces, and that's just where their formal um, recognition of Charles as becoming king uh, is, is read out. Uh, it's basically just um, going through the motion to to reinforce what's already happened. You'll see that certainly on the federal level, but I think some of the provinces are going to do it as well. Well, Nathan Tilridge, uh, for someone who is uh, a vice president of the Institute for the Study of the Crown in Canada, this is certainly going to be a, a time of change, I think, uh, not, not dramatic change, uh, but I imagine it'll take some time for all this to sink in. I think so. I think it's a cultural moment. It's, it, it's a big one. And there's a real sense of, I think, an end of an era, certainly in the great span of the Queen's life that begins with service in the Second World War. So I think it's a cultural moment, too. This is going to be a big event, a, a big international event that I don't think we're ever going to see something like this again, certainly for this generation. And so it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. Well, thank you again for your time tonight. All right. Take care.